Well, winter has arrived. The 1st of June was Saturday. It's brought with us some wintry weather, and we had that over the weekend, didn't we, David Peterson? We certainly did, and good afternoon, everyone. I mean, even today, Dave, it's nicer to be inside, I think, today than outside, because that wind is a little bit cool. So, But nevertheless, there's still lots of things we can still get up to, even if it is inside. I was watching from in, inside my place yesterday, and we had this <laughs> really big tree, must be 40, yes. 50 years old, a couple of doors up, and you really know it's windy when that is fair shaking and it was shaking yesterday so, yeah. mm, very much so yesterday was atrocious I mean the rain came and then it went and it looked like it was clearing up I think around 11 o'clock well the afternoon yeah. was just a total disaster so. I feel for our poor little plants the poor little oh ones. yes they get battered around because they can't move like us and get out of it unfortunately mm. but never mind Today's another day. We are inviting your calls. Do you have any problems in your garden? You can give us a call and we'll offer some solutions. David's got those for you. 49216216 is the number if you'd like to go to the phones and give us a call now. 49216216. All those that do call through between now and 1.30, go into the draw to win a wonderful gift prize. They do. And look, this is I've never had this in the studio before. It's actually a baby panda bamboo. Isn't it? It's so cute. It belongs to the bamboo family, only that it is a very tiny one. So it only grows up to round about, oh, I'd say only about two feet in old terms. We'll, we'll, we'll use it the old terms. Um, and it just clusters up from the base. It doesn't run like normal bamboo. It is just a clustered bamboo. So it just forms this nice little plant. You can use this outside in a fairly sunny spot or even semi-shade. If you're using it inside, only for very short periods of time. So a great little bamboo for a pot. As well as that, I'm giving away another box of the rose tonic for all those people that grows lots of roses. Remembering we don't prune our Roses, just that leave it until around about July before we do that. As well as a bottle of Harvest, this is the seaweed solution, the liquid one that we can use on everything in the garden. As well as I've got, I think I threw some sachets of different things in that bag as well, Dave. We'll announce the winner of that prize pack at 1.30 this afternoon, just before then. Let's go to the phones and say a hello to our first caller, which is from Medford, and it's Maureen. Hello, Maureen. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. I've got a little problem. Um, my hibiscus out the front of my um, near my veranda is quite high. I trimmed, we trimmed it back about six months ago. Doing really well. It is a um, it has a ver- like a variegated um, flower, which is an apricot mm-hmm. and a pink together. Okay, which is unusual. <laughs> um, <laughs> What the problem is, is as it's, bud, it's budding up at the moment, I have had a lot of flowers on it, but it has a lot of ants and these little white, green and black um, uh, eggs type things on it. Okay. All right. Well, the, first of all, the hibiscus is, is called Mrs. Andreessen. That's why okay. you've got the pink and the orange flowers on it. It's a particular right. variety. Yeah. The ants normally are on there because of a reason. Sometimes there's some scale on your hibiscus, mm-hmm. um, which normally the ants work with the scale. So the ants actually carry the scale onto the plant, and then the scale actually sucks into the plant, causes sap to come out, which is what the ants actually like. Okay. So that's why they work together. Now, if there is scale, now you'll see scale on the, the stems mostly, which are like little bumps all on the stems, and even sometimes you'll find that'll go to, get onto the foliage as well. If that is the case, Maureen, you'll need to get some anti-scale because mm-hmm. that's the main one which will get rid of scale for you, and you'll just need to spray that on. Now, as far as the eggs on the the, 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 the foliage or wherever it goes, 
I think they may be just eggs for caterpillars or something like that, which probably won't eventuate because it's too cold for them anyway. So yep. the main thing would be for you to actually get rid of the scales. So you'll need to just uh, spray your hibiscus just lightly mm -hmm. and then just repeat it again in 14 days and that will actually get rid of it. it won't, you won't see it disappear straight away. You'll probably see the ants disappear, but you won't see the little lumps disappear. They will just disappear in time. And then, of course, with hibiscus, we don't prune those until round about October, November. Yeah, well, that's when we pruned yes. it. So, and it's doing, like, it's come back really nice with, after we pruned it. It mm. always does. And it's just um, real nice and green yes. and all that, but it's just these ants and yes. all these. Now, well, if you get yourself some anti-scale, that should take care of the problem for you. All right, then. Thank you very much Thanks, for that. Maureen. Okay. Bye. And Bye. our next call right now at North Arm Cove is Ian. Hello, Ian. Hi, David. Um, I've got a um, grapefruit tree, and uh, it's been in um, four or five years now. And the first lot of fruit we got was fantastic. It was kind of um, extremely juicy and uh, sweet. And uh, the following year, we got nothing because a storm came through and blew all the flowers off. And the following year of that one, uh, we ended up with what I call stink bugs sitting all over them. I got rid of that, but this year with the fruit, it's um, it's dry. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, all the fruit is dry. Um, it's not completely dry, but uh, there's nowhere near the uh, the juice in it that okay. wasn't that's fruity. All right. Okay, then. Well, just one thing first of all with grapefruit. Grapefruit only produce fruit once every two years. You'll always get a major crop every two years, but on that off-season, you'll only get a few. So they will only majorly crop once every couple of years. Now, certainly with as far as the quality of the fruit, uh, of course, you may hear me mention quite often about a product called potash, which I highly recommend that you do actually apply. Now, with, with the potash, you'll apply it with your citrus fertiliser in spring. So when you fertilise your tree in spring with your citrus fertiliser, pop the potash around as well. Make sure you, you always water that in uh, so it gets down into the root system. That will actually help the quality of the fruit and also help produce a fair amount of flowers as well. Okay, well, that's great. I didn't know they only fruit uh, once every two years. Yeah, it's, it's funny because, I mean, you know, people often ask me, oh, my grapefruit hasn't fruited so well this year, but last year we had a really bumper crop. And that's the reason. I think one of the main reasons for that is because grapefruit is so large, it obviously takes a fair amount of energy from the tree on that, uh, on that cropping season. So, as I said, you'll always get a really good bumper crop one year and probably a few only the following season. Okay, David, thanks very much for that. Thanks, Ian. Okay, bye-bye. We've got Polly with us now from Singleton. Hello, Polly. Oh, hello, good morning. How are you, David? Good, thank you. Uh, I've got a problem with my passion fruit. Mm -hmm. um, it's bearing lots and lots and lots of fruit, but every now and again it's got a uh, crinkly thing in, in the passion fruit. It's, oh. it's, no, what do you mean? <laughs> it's... Uh, it, 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 it goes crinkly, you know? Yes. Even though the fruit inside's still all right. Yes. And and they're dropping off. Okay. So the the crinkling this is a black passion fruit? No, no, it's a Pandora. Oh, it's a pa it no, Panama, yes, Panama. Pan yeah. Okay, look, certainly with the crinkling, that's not going to be a great problem because I would say possibly when the fruit ages, yes, it will crinkle because it's gone 
over the season. So it's if, if you're opening up the fruit and it's still fine inside, that's good. As long as it's not affecting the quality of the fruit, I would be worried. I wouldn't be worried about it. Oh. Crinkling is usually a sign of age. So when the passion fruit has gone over its time, um, it should have been picked and should have been used. But certainly, I wouldn't think that that is a great problem. Oh, Kim, can I just interrupt you for a minute? Certainly. Um, this is when it's only um, two centimetres big too, as they're coming on. Okay. So, but these ones that go crinkly, do they mature into good fruit or they just shrivel up and die? They shrivel up and die and okay. fall off. Now, that is, that's actually a different thing altogether. It could be a fungal disease that's getting into your passion fruit. Uh-huh. What I would suggest there for you to do is probably just get yourself some mancozeb or fungarid from your local garden centre uh-huh. and just water that into the ground around the main root system. So you can do that now, yeah. and then what I would do, I would repeat that application again in springtime just to make sure you've got rid of that fungal disease. Right, right. Okay, then. My passion fruit's 250 grams. Excellent. That's wonderful. I got a champion show last year. Oh, well done, well done. So you're obviously doing something right with it. It's just that this fungal disease, if you're not careful, can actually spread and ruin your fruit altogether. Right. And, and, and the leaves are falling off too. The leaves will be falling off at this time of the year because we're going into winter and particularly oh, right. with you where you're in Singleton, it is probably very cold at the moment. So that will always affect our passion fruit during winter and particularly if you're getting a fair amount of rain or there's too much moisture around the root system, they like to be kept a little bit on the dry side during this time of the year. Right, okay then. Okay. All right. Yes, thank you very much. Thanks, Polly. There you go. Polly, give us a call. You can do that too. 49216216 is the phone number if you'd like to give us a call. Let's continue with your calls on 49216216. And for David right now, we've got waiting for us patiently Jan from East Maitland. Hello, Jan. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Oh, by the way, I like that a bit, the, re- about the um, wrinkles when you get old. <laughs> What was that? Well, the, the, the passion fruit that gets the wrinkles. Oh. <laughs> That's a sign of age. <laughs> I didn't even think of that, Jan. Well oh, done for that. I know what caused it. <laughs> David, I've got some um, gerberas. Yes. And they were growing quite well until I transplanted a couple. Mm. Could I have buried them too deeply? Look, you possibly have because with gerberas, they like, once again, fairly well-drained soil and they like the crown to be up above the soil. So if you've buried them a little bit too deep, it just rots the crown, uh, which is the centre part. And of course, once you uh, rot the crown, you've just, um, uh, the plant itself will just collapse and die. Uh And also got mildew on them. Mildew, yes. Look, I've found that a lot lately with gerberas, particularly mm-hmm. this still, I mean, we're in the later part of the summer season, gone into the autumn and now into winter. Look, mm-hmm. certainly with mildew, the best thing is to cut the really badly affected ones off first, get rid yeah. of those, and yeah. then just spray the rest with some mancozeb. You shouldn't only really need one application of the mancozeb. That should clear it up fairly oh, pr- okay, fairly quickly. Good, yeah. mm. So we'd be planting them too deeply. Would that make the flowers a bit malformed? Well, look, it would, but I mean, look, certainly the plant wouldn't grow if it was planted too deep because it would just rot it away completely. If you've still got flowers coming up Mm. um, and they are deformed, obviously there is a problem there as well. You may just have to scratch some of the soil away from around the the crown area for them to actually be exposed to the sunlight more. All right, then. Okay. All right, then. Thank you, David. You're welcome. Okay. 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 Bye-bye. The next caller waiting for us at Wall's End is Helen. Hello, Helen. Hello, David. Um, I have a couple of um, dwarf fruit trees in pots. Mm-hmm. One's a lemonade 
and one is a lemon, just a lemon tree. I think it's a Maya, and it's on that rootstock, that flying dragon. Yes. Now, I want to put them in the ground. When's the best time to do it? Well, look, certainly uh, this time of the year, I'd wait now until early spring because okay. you need to, you don't want to disturb them too much during the winter time. Otherwise, they may sort of go backwards on you. Okay. So wait until spring. So when you start to see some new growth appear on the citrus trees, that's a good indication that things are starting to pick up. They're starting to grow. So we can start and think about moving them or potting and putting them into the ground. Uh-huh. So it is... It is probably beneficial to put them in the ground as opposed to a pot, David. Um, not necessarily. I mean, certainly a lot of the dwarf ones are designed for people to grow them in pots just so that they yeah. can either, one, move them around or, two, because yeah. they've got little room that they can plant them in the ground. But certainly, yeah. you know, planting them in the ground, you'll still get a reasonable-sized tree and, of course, they'll fruit just as well as they would in a pot. Yeah, well, it's just that they haven't fruited that well. And okay. I've neglected them a little bit and I thought, well, maybe if I put them in the ground, they may do better. That, that was my... Well, yes and no, but as long as uh, when you plant them in the ground, make sure, of course, they are in elevated ground. They don't like to be on the same level as everything else. They like to be a little bit high because that gives them extra drainage, which is one of the Uh most important things for citrus. Thanks, David. You're welcome, Helen. Okay, bye. bye -bye. And let's say hello to Lynn from Bulwara. Hello, Lynn. Hello, David. Um, I have a a question regarding shrub pruning. Yes. Some of my shrubs um, appear to be flowering now that would normally flower in spring, (laughs) like sasanquas and gardenias and tibicinas and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I'll actually be away for until September. And I was just wondering um, what should I do about those pruning at this stage? Well, first of all, with the Sasanqua camellias, yes, they are normally in bloom this time of the year because they do flower during the autumn. And normally we prune those straight after flowering. So, of course, with the Sasanquas, there'd be no trouble whatsoever if you wanted to go ahead and just prune your Sasanquas now before you go away, even though they are flowering. So that's not going to be a problem. The, the Tibishina, I would certainly leave until you come back. So leave that through the winter months and then prune it once you do come back because... Uh, otherwise, if you do, if you prune it now, you may find that you may come back to a very, very unhappy plant. So, okay. and the gardenias. I mean, with gardenias, they normally do flower in the late summer period. So, yes, they are a little bit late. I would just probably once again leave those at the moment until they spring flower, and then give them a good hard prune back. Okay, well, it was the thankless that I was mainly yeah. worried about. No, well, look, I certainly I pruned mine because I had to a, a few weeks ago and I did actually take a lot of the buds and flowers off, but it's certainly not going to harm the plant. It's just that you don't see the full uh, advantage of uh, why you're growing the sasanquas for the flowers. So, But if that's, that's fine. You can do it now. Very good. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. We'd love to hear from you. Our phone number, 49216216. It's Gardening Talk back right through until 1.30 today. 49216216. Go and give us a call right now. 49216216. If you'd like to give us a call, we'd love to hear from you. Let's continue with those calls right now. We're going out to Valentine and Ed joins us. Hello, Ed. G'day, David. How are you going? Good, thank you. Good, good. Um, David, we uh, last week, actually, we had some three cocos palms removed from our back garden next to our pool. Mm -hmm. Uh, These were quite tall because they've been in for probably 20-odd years, and they were causing problems with the pool. As they do. Yes, (laughs) and um, so we finally um, 
uh, bit the bullet and we decided to have them removed. Now, and that's a big some, job in itself. Yeah, mm. very, very big. Anyway, it didn't take that much time to remove it. But um, uh, they also removed the stumps as well. Oh, okay. And uh, now we're left with a lot of mulch in, in the gardens, uh, well, in the bed, where we haven't quite decided what we want to plant in its place. But um, the question is, um, what do we need to do to the soil? Would it be very acidic? Uh, does it need extra um, additives, extra nutrients, um, or, or what do we need to do? Okay. Or can we just turn the soil over and start using it? Well, look, certainly uh, with anything that you, as far as the sawdust goes, we'll, we'll call it sawdust, it yes. draws nitrogen out of the ground. So if there's a lot of that, certainly I would suggest to you to just to get some lawn food and pop that into the area because that um, brings the pH back to its normal level. Is Are there any plants growing there at the moment? Uh, yes, we've got some um, camellias and hibiscus um, but uh, right. you know, obviously we, we would plant something to that would sort of cover the area where we had yes. the, the cover of the tree, right. but n- nothing, nothing uh, causing in, any sort of problem. <laughs> okay. Well, certainly the lawn food, by putting that on the garden, won't necessarily harm those things that you've got in the garden, so long as you uh, water it in fairly thoroughly. Um, but I would certainly just look at, when you're digging it over, just make sure there is some form of soil content in that soil so that right. that's something for you to plant things in. It can't just be all the um, the shavings from the cocos palm. You've got to have some sort of, some sort of soil medium in there. So. Yeah. Well, we obviously had that before, so yeah. maybe remove some that's of right. the sawdust. Yes, yes. Uh, well, look, certainly that's up to you. If you do remove the sawdust and you want to reuse that sawdust, just if you can store it somewhere for, say, a month or two so that a lot of that, it breaks down and then you can put it back into the garden. But certainly, yes, you would need to add some form of soil. You can buy soil just in bags as garden soil or else if you feel you need a bulk quantity, just get a bulk quantity of garden soil in and mix it through that garden. And then all you would really need to do is just add a good complete fertiliser, like that's one of your pelleted manures that you'll mix through as well. And look, that garden should be ready to go then. Okay, so that's all we need to yes. do. So retaining um, most of the sawdust would be okay? Just would be fine as long as you blend it with some soil, yes. Right, okay. Well, that's, thank you very much okay. for your advice. You're welcome, Ed. Uh, okay, you. bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. And we go to Raymond Terrace and say hello to Jeanette. Hello, Jeanette. Good afternoon, David. Um, about eight weeks ago, my husband planted a dwarf to Pacina. Mm-hmm. It had plenty of buds on it but they haven't opened up yet is are they going to or is there a problem do they still look nice and healthy the buds yes they look lovely and okay healthy. well it's a wonder they haven't opened as of yet because the season always gauges when they're going to open but certainly you can actually quicken the process up if you wanted to yes. just by mixing up a just some any liquid fertilizer and then just watering that over the plant in letting it go down into the root system and that generally just gives that plant a little bit of extra push and that should get the flowers to open for you it's most okay, unusual just... that they're still closed. Pardon? It's most unusual they're still closed. Then I have a look every day and there's still <laughs> nothing. I'm disappointed. Never mind. We'll see how the liquid fertiliser goes for you there. And thank you very much for your help. You're welcome, Jeanette. Bye-bye. It's 49216216 for Gardening Talk Back. And Kate's with us now from Lambton. Hello, Kate. Hi, David. 
Uh, sorry about the voice. That's quite all right. I've got one sitting right next to me the we, same. We'll sing a duet together. <laughs> oh, I don't think I could. Uh, I have three hibiscus syriacus, syriaci, mm. yes. whatever. Um, one's in full sun position. The leaves are brown and dropping off. Um, but there's new growth of, on the tips of some of the branches. <laughs> it seems a bit weird. It is very weird because with the Syriacus varieties, of course, they lose their foliage during the winter months, which is exactly what they're doing somewhat. But then, of course, you're sort of looking like you're wanting to get new growth as well. I don't think that will go very far, to be honest with you, because once the conditions are down as far as they are now, uh, cold-wise, I mean, uh, you may not get many further growth. By rights, yes, they should all lose their foliage. If you wanted to prune them, that's the time to do it during the winter months. So you're pruning your Syriacus back uh, and then they'll just shoot away as normal once we get into the warmer months again. How far down can I prune? Look, I had them when I was living at home and that's many years ago. Uh, and I used to have them probably, they would be up around about four or five metres in height and I'd cut them down to a metre. And then they'd reshoot away again. You don't have to prune them back as severely as that, but certainly that just gives you some indication of how far you can cut them back. Yeah. Another one is in mostly shade. It's lost all its leaves. Yes. Um, and I'm wondering, is it going to be much good in mostly shade positions? Well, they do prefer at least half a day sun, if not more. So if that is the case and you think you can move it successfully, as long as it's not too big, certainly during the winter time would be a very good opportunity to do that, move it into a new spot entirely. Yeah, okay. All right. Thank you, David. You're welcome. Okay. Bye. Thank you, Kate. Kate joining us for Gardening Talkback, 49216216. If you'd like to be part of the show, go to the phones now, 49216216. Sit two in your RFM 103.7. I have a question. We have um, quite a large native hibiscus, Mm -hmm. which is, it's only been in um, about 18 years, but it is enormous and spreading over the roof of the house. (laughs) Right, okay. (laughs) So it blocks... The winter sun, mm-hmm. um, it's coming out, um, but can you tell me something that is native, that is deciduous, that well, can go in? Yeah, so well, that's... got shade in summer and the sun in winter. Yeah, that's a bit difficult for a native because most natives are evergreen, so they don't no. lose their foliage. Look, I tell you what, we were talking about a hibiscus just earlier in the program, and it's called a Syrian hibiscus, uh, which is actually a deciduous hibiscus. So it loses its leaves during the winter time. It doesn't get overly enormous like this. Um, I should imagine you've got the Tiliosus hibiscus, which is the tree hibiscus, which grows like a house on fire. Um, but certainly, yes, the Syrian hibiscus, they lose their leaves. They grow into more of a column shape, so they don't get as wide as the one that you've got. And you can control them every year just by pruning them down and keeping them down to a particular size. So that may be something worth thinking of. Right. And that's the only one you can suggest? Well, certainly the other thing is the may. The may is a great plant because it doesn't grow overly large. It gives you that beautiful cascading effect, flowers beautifully in the spring with all those magnificent white flowers. Look, you can't see the plant for white flowers in spring with the may. That's another one that I really love. So they're probably two out of the pick that I would suggest to you. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome, Marion. Extremely helpful. Okay. Bye-bye. And we've got Paul with us now from Cardiff. Hello, Paul. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, I just recently acquired a couple of thicker trees, um, which I cut the, the 
bowl on them is about 1.2 to 1.5 metres round. Mm-hmm. Um, I cut the root system back, put them into big pots, um, and they're shedding, which is to be expected. Yes. I'm just wondering, um, is there any anything I can put on them without overdoing it um, to make sure I don't lose them? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this was just recently done, was it, Paul? Yeah, they've been in the ground for probably three weeks, okay. or in pots, actually, come out of pots into pots okay. and I pruned the root right. system. Yeah. Okay. Well, certainly it's not, uh, of course, overly the best time for doing that sort of thing, particularly for ficus, and I can understand why they're losing their leaves because they're probably under a great deal of shock because you've trimmed the root system as well. The only thing I can suggest to, that you do there is just to water some sea sol around them because sea sol is designed basically to stimulate the root system, particularly when you've damaged the root system like they're being cut back. So basically you just um, mix the sea sol up according to directions and water that through the root system of your plant. Now you can do that every couple of weeks. Now unfortunately because we're in winter time, you're not going to notice any growth whatsoever until springtime. But at least by using the sea sol, it's sort of going to stimulate the roots to want to grow back. But that's really the only suggestion I have. Certainly do not use any other fertilizer on them because that will only put them into more shock. So the only fertilizer you should be using is the sea sol. I actually watered the root system with sea sole when I put them in Good. and I watered the whole foliage with sea sole mm-hmm. as well. That's fine, but more so concentrate just on the root system. As I said, you can do that every couple of weeks, but it's not, it's only really just going to keep them alive. It's not going to push them into growth because we won't notice any growth until we get into the warmer weather. Okay, you can overwater them too, can't you? Look, you certainly can overwater them. And certainly, I mean, look, I found with my pots at home because I have quite a number of them, I'm finding that I water them once a week thoroughly. And if so, you can follow up with another uh, another watering during the week. But look, certainly once a week is enough, particularly with the potting mixtures that they're designed, that they have water storing crystals in them. So they are designed basically to hold the moisture. And particularly for something like these ficus, once a week would be ample enough to water them because they've got no real root system growing yet until we try and stimulate that to grow. All right, thanks for that. You're welcome, Paul. 49216216 if you'd be like to be part of Gardening Talk Back, just as Barry is now from Singleton. Hello, Barry. Oh, hello. Um, can, I've got a, a bit of a problem. I've got some citrus trees I planted about three years ago, and um, they've never sort of grown properly. They're in um, relatively clay-type soil. Okay. Well, this is probably part of the reason, Barry, why they haven't grown, because citrus do not like heavy ground. And this is why you'll often hear me say on the show that they always like to be elevated in the ground. And this is the simple reason so that they get that extra drainage. Now, what I'm going to suggest to you is that you're going to be best to persevere with them throughout the winter months. But once we get into spring, see if you can actually lift them out of that ground as carefully as you possibly can and prepare another area so you're actually creating more or less like a little hill for them so that they can sit on the top of the hill, which will give them better drainage. And that, of course, that hill will contain fairly good soil that you're going to hopefully get in for them. 
Once you've done that, I would certainly suggest that you also use a thing called a ground breaker, which is a clay breaker. And what you can do with that is that you can actually water that around the root system of your citrus trees. That will work its way down into the heavy ground and hopefully break up the clay that's down underneath that really good soil that you're adding to the area, Barry. Thank you very much. That right. sounds good. See how you go then. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye. That's Barry joining us, and we are taking calls right through until 1.30 today. That phone number is 49216216 if you'd like to give us a call. And joining us right now from Charlestown, I've been waiting patiently, there is Eric. Hello, Eric. Good afternoon, Eric. Hello. Hello, Eric. Hello. Uh, look, I just wanted to make an inquiry about a maple. Yes. Um, it's one of those that grows three metres by three metres. Mm-hmm. Nice red colour. Yes. And it's just losing all its leaves now. I was wondering if it's all right to prune them at all. Well, look, certainly when they've gone into their dormant period, a lot of these maples, you can prune them back. But make sure they've lost all their leaves completely, Eric, so that all the sap flow has completely slowed down. And yes, it is a good opportunity to get in and prune them back if you're wanting to prune it back into some form of shape. Yeah, what about root pruning? A root pruning, that wouldn't be necessary. You know, I mean, is it growing in a pot or in the ground? It's in the ground. Yeah. No, well, certainly root pruning would not be necessary. You will just need to prune the top of it if you feel you need to prune that back. All right. Okay. Good. Thanks, Thanks very, very much, much, Eric. Okay. And we've got Kathy with us now from Spears Point. Hello, Kathy. Hello, David. Um, I was talking to you the other day about my potted lime. Yes, and uh, the curl grubs. Yes. Now, I went and got some confidor. Good. And uh, make, like trying to work out the right... Um, Ratio, yes. And I put... Um, well, there's either 10 mil to 3 litres of water, but I, and then there was another one, 20 mil to 3 litres. Well, I did the 20 mil, mm-hmm. but with, then it, we've had all this rain... Mm-hmm. And I've been out there this morning and there's still, there's still, uh, little buggers are still alive. Yes. Now, okay, let's just look. When you, when you applied the product, how long after did it rain? Can you remember? It would have started that night. So it, it was in, it was in the pot. After I talked to you, I ended up going out and buying some. Okay. So it was in there for approximately six hours without, before rain. Maybe not even okay, that. All right. So as long as it's an approximate time around six hours, that's fine because what the chemical does, it actually works on the um, the grubs. Now, unfortunately, as I probably may mentioned on the day, the curl grubs are in their sleep mode at the moment. So therefore, if you use the confidor, it sometimes doesn't react as quick because they're in their sleep mode. So therefore, we normally wait until they become a little more active during the warmer months. And that's when the chemical will actually uh, treat them a little quicker so I wouldn't worry too much about treating them again with the confidor just leave them now for the winter months they're not going to do any damage during the winter months because they're in this sleep mode it's only when the potting mixture heats up that they're going to become active again and going to come to life and then start munching away so I would actually leave it now until we get probably into the late spring period so we're looking at about late September and then look at it again and then start treating them with the confidor door then but don't worry too much through the winter months all right 
there because I scratched around the soil and they'll be still there. Six of them more, yes. and I'd already picked that. Yes. Well. well, don't worry about that because, as I said, they are in their sleep mode for winter. You won't need to worry until we get into the warmer months to start treating them again because they're not going to do any damage for winter. Oh, thank you so much, David. You're welcome. Thank Let, you. Bye. Let's bye. make our way to Chain Valley Bay North, where Anne is. Hello, Anne. Hello. I've just got. A, I'm just wondering. I have had an agave plant. Yes. For years, my, I've moved it from my grandmother's property in Erina, and a few from Gosford. So, I think they'd be about sixty years old. Mm-hmm. And it has this great big tongue growing out of it this year. Mm-hmm. That's which a... I've never seen before. <laughs> that's because they're so old, and they're actually coming up into flower. So that's a good sign. And they've got all little flowers at the bottom, and it keeps breaking out as it gets up. Yes. To the top of this big bending bit. That's right, yes. It's quite I've spectacular. I've one in all my life. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, well, you should feel very fortunate that you've got it into flower then. Yes, it's beautiful. <laughs> so make sure so you take... what ta- do I do? Do I cut? Will it, that just die and the plant will live? Or? Yes, the plant will live, the, the flower will die. So once the flower has completely died, you can just cut oh. that right back down to the bottom and the plant will then just go back into growth again. Oh, good. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. My pleasure. We're loving your calls on 49216216. Waiting patiently for us at Bad Bay is Betty. Hello, Betty. Oh, hello. How are you, David? Good, thank you. Um, now, um, I've got a, a number of things to do with onion weed. Yes. <laughs> I've just about given up on the roundup. It's had three doses <laughs> of that and uh, still alive. And uh, I've been told a few home remedies. Um mm-hmm but I'm a bit anxious about what they do to the soil. That's right, yes. Uh, That's where you've got to be careful. Yeah, one one was uh, boiling water with salt in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another was kerosene. (laughs) I wouldn't use kerosene. Pardon? (laughs) I wouldn't be using kerosene because it will kill the ground. Right. Yes. What about the boiling water with salt? That to me sounds a bit more promising. I have heard of that one before, and the thing is it will just burn whatever you get onto it initially, uh, but certainly it won't harm the ground like kerosene's going to do. Right. And the third one I heard, which I think has worked for these people, they um, ended up putting down um, layers of newspaper and then layers of compost and virtually... Or not drowned it, what would you say? Suffocated it, Suffocated yes. Suffocated it. Yes. Um, and I said, well, how did you plant anything? Well, she said, well, they just wanted to put in plants, so they just cut a hole in, the, oh, okay. in all that and planted the plant. I'm surprised it didn't come up where they've actually planted the plant because any well, light that was let in, you know, yes. would just let the um, onion white weed f- form again. Certainly out of all of those three, I would be going and trying the, um, the hot water with the salt and see how that goes. Right. Certainly with the glyphosates or the zero that you've used, they wouldn't really work during the winter months because they need the heat to actually keep them working uh, in the ground. That's why we don't often get a great deal of success during the winter months with those glypho products. Yeah, Yeah, I was hoping to get this ground uh, dug up with some uh, cow manure and you know, getting all lovely for ready for some plants in early spring. Yeah, we'll we'll see see how the hot water and salt goes. Okay then. And let me know how it goes, Betty. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Let's head to Aberglaslin. That's where Helen is. Hello, Helen. Hi. How are you, David? Good. Thank, thank you. For you. Taking my call. Pleasure. Um, two questions. First one. I have a rabbit problem, and I've just put some grevilleas in, and they're loving them at present. But um, 
Someone told me to put a little bit of blood and bone around him and that will keep him away. Is that you know, terrible? Yeah, I've heard that before and I, I don't know what it is about the blood and bone. I thought it would have encouraged them to actually mm. um, come around. But, yes, certainly I have heard of that one. Of course, the other one that I normally mention is a product called Deter. Uh, which is a product that you spray onto the foliage of anything. It is a natural product. And when they go to nibble at it, it's a very nasty taste that I often get and hopefully that's why it's called deter. They just go on and do something else or go to somewhere else and uh, start nibbling away. So, but you have to be very careful because neighbours have got dogs, you know what I mean? Yes. You can't sort of bait them. But I did put the blood and burn around and I did put like the plastic sleeve over them. Oh, yes, know? yes. And that, that thing, they, they've come back. Right. They're coming back. Because they get um, used to a certain thing, unfortunately, yes. Uh, but certainly keep the deter in mind. As I said, it's a natural product. It's not yes. going to harm the environment or the animals, for that matter. It's just a right. taste thing that it works on. Okay. Now, my second question, my daughter's just moving house, and she's got a lot of beautiful old roses that she doesn't want, so I'm going to inherit them. Um Now, should I cut them first before I move them or move them as they are whole? Okay, you should actually cut them first before you move them, even though it is a little bit early, but in your case it needs to be done. So you prune them back as you normally would during the winter months very, very hard, and that way you can then lift them successfully rather than having that enormous bush to lift. Yeah, right. And for my ground, I've kept all my old fire ash, you know, my... Great. Is that okay just to put in the garden? That's excellent. to put the roses in. Look, it's good to use that on anything in the garden. And we mention this every winter about people that dispose their ash no, away from their fire. No. Use it on the garden because it's a form of potash. Yeah, and look, right. it's a great product, yes. Okay, right. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Good. Okay, well, I should have success. Very good, Helen. I hope so. <laughs> okay. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. And here's Frank now from Madawi. Hello, Frank. Hello, David. Um, I have um, a simple question. I've got a a walnut tree, I think it is, anyway, and it's um, got about 50 shoots. It's not growing like a tree. It's more like a bush. Mm-hmm. Should I keep it as a bush or should I train it to be a, a true tree with a, a proper trunk? Well, look, certainly it doesn't really matter with the walnut. Most of the times they are grown as a tree. Now, be very, very careful if it's shooting from right down at the lower part of the plant because it may be shooting from underneath the graft. And particularly if it's shooting at this time of the year, it possibly is coming from underneath the graft, and that's not good because that's not the growth that you want because it's the growth above the the top of the soil particularly or, you know, at least a good six inches or so up the stem where you need the growth coming from so I would really keep a close eye on that uh, for next year for when it does start shooting away because they are deciduous so they lose their leaves during winter time and they will regain their foliage during the spring summer time so just keep a very close eye on that Frank okay well it is um, it's already budding see and um, I don't know whether to start pruning now or wait till spring? Okay. Well, with with, uh, with walnuts, they should lose their leaves for the winter months. And particularly in your area, it's wonder it hasn't lost all its foliage. So that's what indicates to me that it may be shooting from below the graft, which isn't a true walnut. It's grafted onto something else. Yeah. So... How, I, I can't see where the graft line is. There will uh, be a, as you go up the main stem of the plant, there will be a bump, and that's actually where the graft has been taken place. Um, all I can suggest to you is watch it. If it continues to grow through the winter months, 
I'd be very dubious because I'd be cutting that growth off in the springtime and then let it shoot away as normal in the springtime from the top part of the the growth that the um, branches that you've got. Okay, then. Now, look, I right. tell you what, if you're too worried about it, I would certainly would suggest that you take some photographs of it and try and email them to me at work if possible. And you can just ring the nursery for my email address and you can send them through and I can have a look at them online. All right. Thank you, David. Thanks, Frank. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Let's continue with calls right now. We make our way to Fennel Bay and we've got Trevor waiting there for us, David. Hello, Trevor. Hello, David. Um, just wanted to pass a uh, hint on about onion weed. Uh, Great. Thank you. Uh, I have a problem with onion weed in, in my rose garden and, of course, it's very hard to get rid of. What I do, I use a bulb planter, put over the top of the onion weed and take the plug of soil out and then just drop it straight into the garbage and that lifts, okay. the, lifts the onion weed out with it. Yeah, that's a great point and they're, they're a great little gadget, actually, for planting bulbs. So, obviously, there's another use for it for the onion weed. Yeah, so it's... Uh, all right. Well, I'm sure I'm sure Betty's still listening, so Betty may have to rush out and buy a bulb planter and see whether that um, will fix her problem for her. Okay. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks. Okay. Bye. bye. And we've got Gary with us now from Spears Point. Hello, Gary. Hello, David. Thanks for taking the call. Pleasure. I have a uh, couple of Nelly Kelly passion fruit. Yes. Um, they've been in for over two years, and uh, they're not fruiting. I've never had any fruit off them. Just wondering, uh, uh, should I rip them out and start again, or what can I do with them? I certainly don't rip them out. Are they growing successfully as far as foliage goes? Yeah, plenty of foliage, just no fruit. Okay. Well, what I'm going to suggest is once we get into spring, and when you start to see them reshooting again as far as growth goes, hit them with some citrus fertiliser as well as some potash. Now, they can be, they're bought separately, and you'll mix them together or apply them separately at the same time and make sure you water that in because that way it gets it right down into the root system so they'll take up all those nutrients and hopefully that will fix your problem for that season because they're, the potash is basically a flower and fruit producer and the citrus fertiliser, I know that sounds a bit strange, but citrus fertiliser is used for all fruiting things in the garden. So they're the two combined, I'm sure. Look, certainly spike around the root system before you do that uh, and that way the fertiliser goes down into those holes and just becomes a little bit closer, quicker to the root system. Okay, thanks for that. I've actually have used potash. Yes. So I don't do it on a regular basis, so I was wondering whether that needed to be done sort of more regularly than perhaps I have been. Well, depending on the potash you use, certainly the granulated potash only needs to be used at the beginning of the season with your citrus fertiliser. So perhaps you may have just used the potash and not the citrus fertiliser because that that includes everything once you combine those two products together. Okay, no, I haven't used citrus fertiliser, so that's something that I'll try. And should I be cutting the... Uh vines back at all in the winter? Well, look, not during the winter time. The only time you prune passion fruit is in the early spring when you start to see them shooting away because you know they're starting to grow. So that's a good opportunity to prune them back. And remembering by pruning any passion fruit back, because they only generally bear on their young growth, it is wise to prune them back in spring to encourage all that nice new growth because that is your flowering wood. Okay, 
Okay, well, thank you very much for that, Dave. I'll give that a go. Okay, Gary, thank you. There we go. Thank you so much for the call. And looks like time's beaten us again. So thank you to all the people that have been part of the program uh, today since midday. And, of course, they're all in the draw to win that wonderful gift pack that you brought in, David. They are. And, of course, it consists of the little baby panda bamboo, which is quite a cute little thing, as I said, particularly for in a pot somewhere in a nice sunny spot out in the garden or in a courtyard or even on a balcony. They're a great little plant. No flowers. It's just the foliage, but they look really, really cute. As well as that, I'm giving away a box of the rose tonic as well as that... uh Oh, tongue-tied, uh, a container of the Harvest Liquid Fertiliser. And I'm going to give it to Jeanette of Raymond Terrace today. Now, Jeanette rang us about the Tibishina dwarf that she'd planted. So, Jeanette, all you really need to do, make your way to, along to Walls End Community Nursery. That's on the corner of Crowdus and Lake Road, Walls End. One condition is try and get in before next Monday's program because I will have a brand-new gift to give away next Monday. No Monday program next week. Oh, that's right. It's a long weekend. Queen's Thank you for reminding weekend. me, Dave. So it'll be in two weeks' time that I will uh, hear from you all again. The good so. news is you get to enjoy a long weekend, which is lovely. <laughs> which I uh, don't. You'll be working. Oh, of course I will, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. But we hope that you'll write down your questions for us because when we come back that following week after the long There'll weekend... There'll be heaps of calls We want to hear them. Yes, yes, please give us all your questions. So thank you so much. Have a lovely week, David. No, thank you, Dave, and I hope your coal gets better. I'll do my best. And good gardening everyone.